It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The winner of the Supreme Helberg Award is Zoe Sadowski-Sinek. Um, on behalf of Zoe, I, 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 I would just like to say what the She did say to us about three or four weeks ago, what the f***? If I'm not going to win it this year, I'm never going to win it. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Sinnott. Mr. Sinnott was... It didn't steal the show, and it wasn't a surprise if you've seen interviews with him before. Absolute character. Um, Went up, dropped an F-bomb when she won the Sports Woman of the Year. Um, when he came up for the Supreme Winner, they actually said to him, no swearing, so he did twice. Um, but uh, good old night last night, and Zoe zadowski Sinnott uh, collects the big gong. The big, big gong, and what a wonderful young woman she is. Just a shame both her and Nico Porteous weren't there. Anyway, who are you listening to? Staffy, what are you listening on? S-E-N-Z, Mornings with Ian Smith. We thought he might be up and running today, but um, of course, with Smithy down in Havelock, uh, I think he's got power back, Wi-Fi is intermittent, so just didn't know that the integrity of the technology would work for him, so we'll stay with the, the current pattern that we've been doing this week. So good to have your company on the show today um, in association with Brent. They are your local John Deere equipment supplier. So they supply all in New Zealand. So if you're into some John Deere equipment, and boy, you'd need some at this time of the year with what's been going on at the moment, just check out Brent. That is B-R-A-N-D-T is uh, what what you want to look for for that. Um, coming up today, very shortly going to talk to Craig McGrath. He is the Blues defence coach on how their season is shaping up. Um, a lot of people seem to think they're the ones that could topple the Crusaders for just winning and winning and winning. We'll see how they've shaped up. Hamish Kerr, who's just broken the New Zealand high jump record in Slovakia. Incredible achievement for him. So we'll be going live. I think he's probably still in Slovakia or he may have relocated somewhere in Europe. But at 9.30 we'll have a talk to him. Uh, we'll have a multi, which I'm terrible at this week. Um, <laughs> Stump by Staffy, no chance. I'm terrible at that as well. So free money. Free money. Dan McCarty's calling the cricket, the pink ball test, which gets underway this afternoon. He's calling it for talk sport in the UK. So we'll have a chat to him. He'll be on ground. Uh, Andrew Gordy, Jamie Wall will be the panel. Um, hopefully we'll get Sarah Hidney, um, Blackfern Sevens captain, but she was part of the Blackfern's World Cup winning team and she was also recognised for her leadership, sporting leadership as well. So looking forward to having a chat to her. But right now, right now, I'm waiting for the thumbs up. He's there. He is there. He is the Blues defence coach. Um, very exciting time of the year for him. Craig McGrath joins the show. G'day, Craig. Hey mate, how are you? Very well. Um, exciting time. You've had um, pre-season's nearly done. You've got one more game. Are you happy with where the Blue squad is at at the moment? Um, yeah, look, we've had a really good pre-season. We started just before Christmas and then um, obviously had a little break 
uh, and then come back in. A little bit disrupted, obviously, with the floods and um, the cyclone, but, yeah, no, we're pretty happy with that. Everyone everyone got a run last week, and um, we've got a few people coming back this week, uh, tomorrow night to play. So, yeah, happy where we were at. You had a pre-season game at your old club, Waitamata, where you had 100 games. Familiar territory for you. Did you, did you tell them about the nuances of the field? No, 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 we didn't. Um, it's, it's changed a little bit from when I used to play, but uh, it was nice. To, it was a fantastic day for the community at West Auckland. Um, obviously, one of one of the hardest hit around the the flooding um, areas. Um, so it was good to go back out there, and it was yeah, it was nice to see some familiar faces for me that I haven't seen in a while. And um, it was it was good to be home. Um, and I think the boys put on a. They, uh, the club put on a pretty good display and um, yeah, so uh, the players really enjoyed going out in the community. Am I right in thinking the result isn't the number one thing in these pre-seasons game? It's about giving the guys some some match fitness, um, some contact and all that sort of stuff. Is, it, is, is that what it's about? Oh, I, I, I guess every coach is going to say it's not about the result, but you want to win. Um, you know, that's, a, that's our... That's what we are. We're about. We're in a, a winning um, environment, so we need to win games, obviously. But yes, um, the the whole uh, at the end of the day, we're looking for one some of the things we've been trying in pre-season and how they um, how they stack up against opposition that don't know it's coming, um, and then also just yeah, our, um, match fitness and um, giving some guys some minutes that we want to have a look at um, that while putting their head being putting their hand up during pre-season and how they go uh, in a game like, in a game situation so yeah I think we ticked all of those boxes on um, last Saturday I always like to ask the coaches um, like you've got to see these guys in pre-season as you say a lot of them got together before Christmas and then you've been together for the best part of six weeks is there any newcomers <clears throat> into your squad that we may not have seen too much of in Super Rugby if not at all that you're quite excited to, to unleash onto the rugby public yeah, oh look, there's, a, there's some um, guys that have been putting their hands up. Um, young Josh Tua, uh, Lucid Prop, um, coming out of um, uh, out of the Grammar Tech Club. Um, he's had limited NPC, but um, he's made every post to win it. Um, definitely a guy that um, to keep an eye on. Um, so yeah, we're, we're excited to see Josh's progression. Obviously, this good. Uh, people in front of them currently, but yeah, we're, we're, we're excited to see how we progress. I thought one of your best pickups in recent times, and I didn't expect it, but I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I'm, I was pleased to be proved incorrect, was Bryce Heem. When he came back to New Zealand rugby and, and the Blues signed him, and I thought, I thought, isn't he a journeyman at best? And, and I don't want to be um, disparaging to the man because he's been fantastic for you. Yeah, um, we call him the Coral, and um, he's uh, he's he's a wise old guy who um, the young boys uh, really love having around. Um, he's added he's uh, added both belly on and off the field to us. Um, he's a sort of a Mister Fixit man for us, um, you know. Like uh, last year against the Crusaders, uh, we ended up um, playing him at twelve um, with no minutes under his belt, and he just went out there and did his job. And I know he did that the previous year for the for for the Blues as well. We hadn't played many minutes and then he just rocked on, played on the wing and, and got man of the match. So he's a bit of a Mr. Fixed man. He can cover 12, 13 a wing for us. And, um, he's just a wise old head and he 
he gets it, you know, he's, and he's really good around the young boys. He's, um, he's helping those young midfielders grow. Um, he's, there's a couple of young guys, and Leo Gordon and Essendon to Tupola are coming through the ranks, and he's great around those boys. So, yeah, he's been a great addition. And of course, being Rugby World Cup here, I guess there's a little bit of urgency on, I guess, established All Blacks like uh, Dalton Papali'i, who we're trying to push really hard to get a starting side in the All Blacks, and you've got to have good form in Super Rugby. Guys like Finlay Christie, Stephen Petafeta looks to have a long-term future in the Black 10 jersey if he can go good. Have have you noticed uh, an increase in intensity from existing All Blacks and ones that are pushing hard for it? Oh, look, I think um, everyone's on the level playing field, aren't they? Like, it's, it's on form, and all Blacks we should, should and will be picked on form. So uh, what they produce in the next um, next uh, five months, uh, five to six months is important. So, yeah, there's a real edge to our training. Um, I think it's, we're training a lot better than uh, previous, or last year in particular. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, um, we're excited about the opportunity, one, to for those all black, current All Blacks to press their claims for a World Cup, but also other players to put their hand up um, uh, in the, in, as well. One of my favourite players in your squad, if not my favourite player, is the big source, Tom Robinson. How's he shaping up? Yeah, um, Source has got more fat on his body. Uh, there's more fat on a potato chip than there is on Source's body. <laughs> that much. He's, um, he's, he's, in, he's in great nick at the moment. Um, uh, so yeah, and he, look, he's in our leadership group, and he's really galvanised these young players um, before the All Blacks coming back um, after the end of year tour. So yeah, Source is um, you know what you're going to get with him. Uh, he's got a massive engine. He'll uh, he'll smash in the rucks and he'll carry hard and he'll smash in the bodies when they're carrying the ball. So um, yes. Uh, he he won't die wondering, that's for sure. And Zahn Sullivan's the last one I wanted to ask you about, actually. An excitement machine. I feel like he's going to make a lot of noise this year. Yeah, Zahn, Zahn's, um, Zahn's had his injury issues during NPC, so he's coming back from that. And, um, you know, he's still, um, he's still trying to find his feet um, again coming back from that. Uh, so... It was a long-term injury, and, and like anyone coming back from a long-term injury, it doesn't take their time to find a seat. Zahn has got, yes, as you as you mentioned, he's um, played very well for the Māori All Blacks uh, against the Irish, and, um, you know, that's at the next level. So, um, yeah, we're again, we're excited about Zahn. Um, his, his left boot is a real threat for us. Um, he's a big body, and um, he's quite happy to take the line on. And So, um, yeah, we just... We just want Zahn to start enjoying this rugby again after a long break. I said that was the last player I was going to ask about, and I was going to be very nice because every Blues coach that ever gets interviewed always gets asked about Roger Tuivasa-Sheik, and I wasn't going to do it, but the text machine is saying, can you please ask him how Roger's shaping up? So on behalf of the listeners, how's Roger looking? <laughs> Roger, Roger's going well. Um, you know, like, like, like anyone, um, it's 12 months now um, he's been in our game. And um, and it, it, it's different. It's totally different. He's playing in a position that's different to where he was for rugby league. But um, we, as Blues coaches, have seen uh, a real different Roger from the 12 months ago. And like even um, when he went away before he went with my time with the Auckland NPC team, he he's changed again. You know, um, he's hungry. He's the ultimate professional, and um, he's doing some really good things at training. Some good things on. Saturday, so we're excited to see him to go tomorrow night as well. 
Brilliant. Have, have you settled on a starting lineup, or is that doesn't really matter for tomorrow? Because I'd urge people to get along and, and have a look because you see a lot of players. You have a big bench. Um, are, are most of your top line players going to put the boots on tomorrow? Yep, yep. We're, we're, we've got all our um, uh, All Blacks back. And um, so, yeah, so it's a, if uh, anyone's in the Pukeko area, get along. It's going to be a cracking game. The Chiefs are a good side. You know, they've got some quality players too. And, um, it's our last little hit out before we head down to the uh, under the roof in uh, in Dunedin. So, yeah, it's a big night tomorrow night for us. Brilliant, yes, and you better believe there'll be some Chiefs fans coming up from the Waikato, so Blues fans get to Pukekohe and support your Blues team. Hey, Craig, uh, really appreciate your time today, and I wish you all the very best for a successful season. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. There he is, Craig McGrath, Blues defence coach. Um, heartening words there about Roger Tuivasa-Shek for you all. Um, he's only going to get better, isn't he? He, he is going to get better. So um, good signs. And um, just looking through their squad list, it's a fearsome, it's a fearsome squad. Um, right through, 1 through 15, and then the next 15 as well. Speaking of 15, it's 9.15 now, and so we will take a break, and when we come back, our very accomplished, sturdy, thought-provoking sports desk after the break. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Let's find out. What is happening? What is it? This is this is you at your forte. Is it? Yeah, no. Oh, what a day it's going to be today, Steph, because fingers crossed as long as the showers uh, that are forecasted for Tauranga don't get in the way. Oh, is there a forecast for rain there? A little bit. Okay. I think the rest of the, the, rest of the uh, test matches, the other four days, weather is looking quite nice. Nice. Typical, you know, day in the bay. Yep. Shout out to Craig from Tauranga. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's looking good. The interesting thing though, uh, with the rain, with the cyclone, how has that affected preparations for the pink ball test, uh, which is Set to get underway 2 p.m. today. It's looking very, very green. Uh, it's been under cover, heavy covers for three days. I read, a, I read a story. I read a story where they uh, they put a whole bunch of heavy machinery on top just to hold it down with those uh, with those winds. But the well, Stokesy at the time hadn't seen the wicket, uh, but it was posed the question: How would you deal with a green wicket? Watching Test matches in New Zealand in the past, it's. I don't think you can look too much into the wickets here when they're green like that. Um, the practice wicket, the two-day game that we had um, was very green as well. Well, it had a lot of grass on it um, and it played very, very true. So, um, yeah, I don't know how much effect it's going to have, really. Um, just hope I lose the toss. Yeah. <laughs> ben Stokes wants to lose the toss, puts the pressure on Tim Southey. <laughs> he says, you tell us what we're doing. Yeah. So this is what Tim Southey had to say on the wicket. 
Yeah, it's uh, a whole lot of things factor into it. First day night test match here, um, having a cyclone two days for a test match is, is unusual as well. So the, the, the ground is this unbelievable uh, drying ground. It's very dry um, and, and the groundsmen are, are reasonably happy with how, how the wicket is. So um, yeah, it's just, just turn up tomorrow and, and just uh, decide on that final final spot. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I'd, I'd imagine it's, it's going to be a, a pretty good surface, which we, which we come, to, um, come to know that it's, it's, it's like that here. So they're putting a lot of faith uh, there into the turf manager at Bay Oval. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Bay Oval is known for being really good at drainage. So it can handle a lot of water. I saw an interview with the ground the groundsman there, and he just said, look, I'd love to tell you what I'm expecting, but I have absolutely no idea, because it's all about water tables and all that sort of <laughs> stuff, because who knows how high up that is. Yep. Um, I, just, I just hope. I just hope there's enough play to get a result. I hope there's enough play because we've got some fantastic cricketers on um, on display. We do. So we at least know England. the England side is going to be Zach Crawley, Ben Duckett, Ollie Pope, Joe Root, Harry Brook, Ben Stokes as captain. Did I call him Stokesy before? Wow. Um, ben Folks, Stuart Broad, Ollie Robinson, Jack Leash, and Jimmy Anderson. So you, you think, man... He's got a lot of weapons to choose from. I know. So how does he deal with those selection headaches? Yeah, it's a great place to be in now, considering, you know, especially the first game we had last summer where, you know, we probably had three or four seamers to pick from, whereas, you know, hopefully going into the summer, you know, as I said yesterday in the press conference, it'd be great to have eight quick bowlers to choose from. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think the way in which our bowling attack is here, you know, outside of the uh, the three quicks we've picked um, is, is again, you know, something that we want. We always want variety with our bowling lineup. Um, you know, we've obviously got Jimmy and Brody with experience and, and you sort of want to have, you know, some kind of X factor in there as your as your third seamer. Um, and I feel like here heading into the summer we're in that position where we've got that. Um, but look, I, th- I think we've got a great crop of fast bowlers coming through um, England at the moment and, and it's exciting and I'd rather be in a position to be scratching my head about who to pick than um, only being able to pick from three or four. Fair to say, Steffi, I don't think the Black Caps are <laughs> in that same luxury position. Spoiled for choice, England, aren't they? Mm. Jeez, just... I just actually looked at the weather, Logs. Uh, severe thunderstorm watch from three o'clock till ten o'clock today. Oh, that's changed. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. Yeah. Um, Maybe we won't get play today. <laughs> well, it's starting at two, did you say? Oh, yeah. Let's get, let's what, get an ten, hour. ten overs <laughs> And now I'm looking at the rain radar for the next three days, and there's a bit. <laughs> oh, no, that's oh, yeah, Friday. Actually, it's clear Friday, Saturday... Sunday. So yeah, today's the day. So we might lose some might lose some play today, but it looks pretty clear after that. You're right. Well, with the way things are going, three day test matches seem to be That's all you need. Yeah, they seem to be the norm now. Uh, but as we're saying, you know, the Black Caps don't really have that same luxury of uh, selection headaches because they've had to make some moves with uh, Kyle Jamison uh, ruled out. Blair Tigner has at least been confirmed to be making his uh, test debut. But the question is, how does Salvi approach? Bazball. 
Um, no, it's exciting. I think that they've they've been great for Test cricket. They've um, the way that they've played, the style they've played has been been great to watch. Um, obviously, we had a had a series against them in, in the UK, which uh, which um, yeah, obviously didn't go away. But I think what they've done done for Test cricket, the, way, the style they've played, is, is um, has been brilliant to watch from afar. But we've um, yeah, we've got a few new faces in our in our side to, to what we've had. We're pretty consistent Test side there for for a long period of time. So um, yeah, we've got a, a way in which we play and um, and and we play we have played a lot of success in these conditions over the years Steffi what are your thoughts on Ben Stokes because I know it feels like at times he's the one that got away he is the one that got away and he was a bit of a bad boy in his earlier times remember he got done for that assault and that sort of I think he's an incredible cricketer I think and that's on the park He's one of the first picked any team in the world, like elite performer. Captaincy, um, I'm still in a little bit of a holding pattern to see whether that agrees with him or not. And while you're winning, captaincy's easy. It's when things turn, and I hope New Zealanders can turn the screw a little bit on them. Um, I don't know if we've got the weaponry to put the pressure on Ben Stokes, but I'd love to see it. I would love to see some pressure go on them and to see how he reacts. Yeah, speaking of weapons, one that's been tossed around is a question mark as to why the SOS hasn't been uh, put out there and why he's not there at the Bay Oval. Trent Bolt. This is uh, this is how Tim Southey addressed that situation. Um, yeah, his discussions had, um, but yeah, he's, he made his decision um, the end of last year with uh, with handing back his contract, so um, they've New Zealand cricket made a decision to to back the guys that are that are contracted and, and playing domestic cricket here. So um, yeah, be interesting to see how that pans out over the next next years to come. Um, but that's the decision he's made and New Zealand cricket have made. So um, we've had to box on. We've got a couple of guys that have played uh, a fair chunk of domestic cricket and um, and uh, very seasoned domestic cricketers, and, and now get an opportunity to to represent New Zealand. So it's uh, it's exciting times for them. As somebody who's passionate about Test cricket, uh, how seriously you feel the sort of responsibility now of being New Zealand's Test captain, and it's a format that is squeezed occasionally these days from from outside influences, and just how important you see sort of carrying the team and the and the format forward. Yeah, I think you ask a lot of people. Majority of people still see Test cricket as the as the pinnacle, and and like I say, I credit to, to Ben and uh, Brendan and the way that they've um, they've sort of turned turned things around with them and made I guess made it exciting for people to to want to watch and, and be a part of it. Look at the the ticket sales for this series. There's there's still plenty of interest in Test cricket, and um, and that's exciting. It's uh, yeah, it's for me. It's it's still the the pinnacle pinnacle of the game. Um, times are changing with uh, with franchise cricket and, and a lot of lot of short ball short format cricket. But um, but yeah, I think for majority of the players, they still see Test cricket as as the pinnacle. Those are words you love to hear uh, if you're a fan of Test cricket. The England team, maybe not so much a fan of pink ball cricket. They even went <laughs> out to go as far as to say it's a gimmick. Uh, but the Black Caps uh, themselves, they've only played three pink ball tests themselves. Lost uh, two to the Aussies. The win that they do have to their name is against England. That was by an innings and 49 runs back at Eden Park in 2018. So he's hoping we can uh, replicate some results to that, Staffy. Yes, fantastic. I'm looking forward to it, actually. I do like a pink ball test. I like an evening viewing in New Zealand. Um, And, of course, it's uh, live on Spark Sport, but we will um, be following it closely here. And uh, joining us later in the show is Daniel McCarty, um, and we'll be chatting 
with him about about the game. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be at the ground. I'm hoping he's at the ground. I can give us an update here. We just after ten o'clock. Um, yeah, just after 10, so that'll be four hours, so we'll get a four-hour forecast from him. But yeah, the, the weather forecast looks like there's a bit of moisture around today, and then it looks pretty clear from tomorrow onwards. So great viewing ground to the Bay Oval. It's fantastic. Worst of the weather's gone, so I think after tonight, she should be plain, plain sailing. Uh, we shall take a break now, and on the other side of this, we're going to catch up with New Zealand high jump record holder, brand new record holder, just set in Slovakia, Hamish Kerr, after the news. Welcome back in to the morning's session. We're here from 9 till 12. Pretty excited to talk to this young man. We've spoken to him a number of times on the station, but it's with celebration in our voices we welcome in Hamish Kerr, New Zealand high jumper. Hamish, three words, two, thirty, four. Outstanding. Yeah, it's awesome, eh? It still, still doesn't quite feel real, but yeah, really happy. You chose Slovakia to do it. You couldn't get much further away and under the radar from New Zealand, mate. What's going on over there? I know, it's just something in the water in Eastern Europe, eh? No, I probably shouldn't say that. But um, no, it's look, we, we made the call to come over to Europe um, just to do their indoor season. Um, and for whatever reason, all the meets happen to be in Eastern Europe. So we've been trekking around, going to sort of Czech Republic, Poland, um, Slovakia last night, and then yeah, it's 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 been it's been awesome. But yeah, it's it's quite funny to go to places which you're probably not quite used to going to, and um, and and doing the the funny old thing that is high jump. <laughs> is it is it a bit of a travelling roadshow where the the same bunch of competitors by and large are going to all these different events? Yeah, oh, very much so, and it's it's quite cool as well. Like it's it's obviously quite early in the season for us, so it is a little bit more relaxed, which is nice, and and sort of everyone does does enjoy it a wee bit more, which is quite cool. So it's it's actually been really good to just kind of hang out with a few of the other competitors and, and just get amongst it a bit. So what's the national dish of Slovakia that pr- propelled you to this height? <laughs> <laughs> I actually could not tell you. They had they had some dessert, which was um, pasta with poppy seeds and sugar. Oh, my God. Which I thought sounded like someone had put a dartboard up and just <laughs> thrown darts at it and gone, that's that's what we're going to have. Um, I didn't try it personally, but I'm sure it's lovely. <laughs> can, so, yes, it's can, been quite a cultural shock. Can we go to that meeting at Slovakia, as you say, yesterday, um, and, and talk us through your opening height? Your, did you pass? Did you have any misses before you hit 234? Yeah, so it's – the big thing with um, indoors is the surfaces are quite different. So they're instead of like a track surface laid on concrete or just on on bare earth, they're actually um, they're laid on basketball courts. Mm. So it gives you a lot more energy return, but also your timing has to be quite different. Um, so the way that you run, the way you kind of use the surface is different. So I actually started a little bit lower than I usually would, um, just because I knew that I needed a number of jumps just to get myself kind of into the rhythm of, of using that surface. And so I started quite low, but I was feeling good. Um, each jump just felt better and better. And I didn't have any misses all the way through to 2.32 actually, um, which was awesome. So that was real cool. And then um, one of the Ukrainian guys, Andrei Prostenko, he cleared 2.32, um, a second attempt. And then I was meant to 
take my second attempt, but I decided that I'd just pass straight away because it was just me and him left in the comp. Mm. Um, so we went to straight to 234. And yeah, he missed his first attempt and I got it first attempt. So it was, it was good. Ball was back in my court. And then we both managed to have a couple of decent cracks at 236. But ultimately, neither of us got it. And so I came away with the win. I'm not sure if I've asked you this before, but when... When you're doing high jump, like it is physical exertion, it's not it's not huge aerobic type things, but there must be a point in time, like do you know when you're like peak, does it take you four jumps, five jumps to get your timing, to get your rhythm, your muscles completely warmed, everything in sync, and so you try and aim for your fifth or sixth jump to be the money jump? Traditionally, yes, um, but I think that's one of the awesome things that I've got at the moment is I've had a really good conditioning block. Um, and I mean, I did I did eleven jumps uh, last night, and then I did thirteen jumps a night uh, of last week um, in one of my early comps. And so to to know that I can still be pushing, I mean, I cleared two thirty four on my ninth jump, which wow. probably for a lot of people back home doesn't sound like a huge amount, but for for someone like me who used to sort of get to about six jumps and think that was about it, um, that just means that when I you know when I am feeling good, I can just push so much deeper into the competition, and it just means that you know I am there for those big jumps when when it matters, rather than trying to hurriedly get through the comp and then and then get out before I get too tired. When you took off for that two thirty four, is is it a bit like a golfer on the tee? You know, and you've got the driver out and you hit it and you think, that's money. I've nailed that even before Smoked it's landed. It. Yeah, so when you launch, do you go, yep, this is the money one? Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, you definitely know if you got a good shot at it. Um, it was funny, though. I think that 34, I took off and I wasn't quite sure. Um, it, yeah, it just didn't feel quite as smooth as some other ones, but at the end of the day, it, it stayed on, so... Yeah, it was good. It was it was probably a, an eighty percent jump. I'd, I'd like to think so. Still a wee bit more in the tank. Yeah, and like in your sport, it's centimeter by centimeter as you climb up the ladder of excellence. Really, Do, have you earmarked a height this week? Because I know you got hit with a few niggly injuries last year. Hopefully, you're all good now. So, do you set targets per meeting, uh, per training block, or per three months? How do you go about goal setting? Um, I mean. I think the big goal for this year is to try and get her up to around about 235, 236. Mm. And the reason for that is that that's kind of what you need to be jumping to really challenge for an Olympic medal. Um, you know, history has, has suggested that Olympic medals have been won in less heights than that, or, you know, less, less height. So in Rio, 229 got a bronze medal, but for the most part, um, around sort of 235 to 238 is, is what really gets one. So, yeah, the goal for this year was to get up to around that. Um, and this this first block competition was hopefully going to sneak a, a, a small PB, but to get three centimetres straight off the bat is really encouraging and it means we're definitely on the right track. So what next? How, how much more of these um, exotic destinations are you going to go and put your shorts and your shoes on and jump over aluminium? <laughs> Well, we've we've gone back a peg. Um, we're actually in Bristol now, so we just travelled <laughs> travelled over over the pond um, to the UK. So we're here for a couple of days just training, and then one last meet in Birmingham, which is a place that I have a little bit of history with, which will be nice. Uh, and then yeah, heading back to national champs, which is first week in March. So straight on a plane, and then head back to New Zealand and do one more outdoor comp there.
Where's the Nationals this year? It's in Wellington. Okay. So all you Wellingtonians, head along. Yes, and just go and yell at Hamish and say, G'day, mate, because you're the type of bloke that says, G'day, back. <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> when I'm competing, just, just strike up a chat. Usually if I'm a... Usually I'm in a good mood. If I'm not, you'll know. (laughs) (laughs) Try your luck. (laughs) Do your luck. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, it's good we get to watch you competing here back at the tail end of our summer, Uh, if you can call it that. You've dodged dodged Mm. hell over here, may I say, Hamish. Yeah, I know. It's been real hard um, being over here, obviously, and just sort of seeing what's going on back home, but... New Zealand's a strong, strong bunch of people and, you know, we'll, we'll get around it and I know the community is all sort of rallying behind everyone. So I think that, you know, we're in a good place and it's obviously not ideal, but I think we'll, we'll get through it. Yeah, brilliant. Well, 2.34 in Slovakia, it's a long, long way from home, but it really resonated with me. I know how hard you work and how important every single centimetre is to you. So I couldn't be more delighted for you, Hamish, and we'll look forward to catching up with you when you're back in New Zealand. Sounds good, mate. I'm looking forward to it. Cheers, buddy. There he is, New Zealand high jumper Hamish Kerr. Fantastic effort in Slovakia. Uh, didn't you know? It's a three centimetre record. Now, three centimetres, when you measure it with your fingers, it isn't very far. That's a monumental increase when you're talking high jump. Um, when they're trying to improve by a centimetre at a time. So, two thirty four in Slovakia for our high jumper Hamish Kerr in great form building and I remember in a previous interview he said he doesn't feel like he'll reach his peak for another three or four years because it's so technical. If you sat down with them like I was lucky enough to do and go through, like from when they start their jump to when they land on the pit is about four seconds but the, the 10 seconds before that, the four seconds of execution, there's so much technical stuff goes on. It's fascinating. It really is. So we thank Hamish for joining us from, where did he say it was? Bristol, of all places, having just been in Slovakia, not eating pasta, um, poppy seeds, and was sugar. It pow- powdered sugar, was it? Sugar, yeah. yeah. That sounds... Interesting. Y- yuck. <laughs> yeah. I've just realised I've got to come up with a multi in about four minutes' time. Plenty of time, mate. Okay, I'll do that. Come back and um, and I'll, I got two out of three yesterday, but I'll, I'll review and we'll go again. Uh, stick around. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the whole Yep, download the TAB app. You can take singles, you can take multis, you can take power plays, you can have boosted odds, you can have the whole shebang. Yesterday, well, the first day I got one out of three. Yesterday I got two out of three. Sydney Kings to beat Kings, tick. India, highest opening partnership against the West Indies. India got 32 for their opening partnership. West Indies got four. Tick. Portland Trailblazers to beat Washington. Portland Trailblazers got hammered by about 20 at home. Staying away from NBA. So today, uh, T20 overnight, highest opening partnership, sticking with my onions. Uh, Australia playing Sri Lanka. Dollar sixty four highest opening partnership. Pardon, a dollar sixty four for comfortably the best women's cricket team in the world have a highest opening partnership. 
that goes in. Sticking with cricket, first test today. First over. How many runs? I'm saying there's two or more runs at $1.85. I see a nick. I see an outside edge. I see a third man, four runs. Or if England are batting, I can see a boundary. I can see two or more. That's paying $1.85. You either go under one and a half, over one and a half. I'm going over one and a half. Two or more runs first over. <sighs> Doesn't take long to sit on the edge. Imagine one run after five balls. How much you're screaming at that sixth ball. Third leg. Uh, Cambridge Synthetic Racing today, race three, number four, Catch My Drift. Pretty much the only horse with any semblance of form. It's had two starts, last start second, paying 2.30. Happy days. You might have to run that last one uh, past Louis Herman Watt later on in the show. Okay. See what his vibes are on at the uh, Cambridge Synthetic there. $2.30 will resonate with Louis Herman Watt. <laughs> he likes those prices. I love some uh, some creative uh, tipping here, mate. It's, uh, it's a bit like, um, like in the NHL bets. There's, will there be overtime, yes or no? <laughs> I love yeah, well, that one. see, I found, like, I think the last, so I did NHL the first day. I don't really follow that. I just threw a dart. Trailblazers Washington yesterday I thought Trailblazers at home Washington I don't really I'm not so invested in them yet so I thought let's go with stuff that statistically backs it up and that's the highest opening partnerships Australia comfortably the better side so they should have a better opening partnership first over runs over one and a half now hopefully for that bet to come in I'd probably prefer England to bat first because they'll be more aggressive but even if they don't I can see New Zealand getting an edge um there's a chance of an extra, of a wide or a no ball in the first in the first over as well, as bowlers are trying to find their, their timing and rhythm. And Catch My Drift, I just wanted to put something in to support the Cambridge um, synthetic track. Um, catch My Drift, $2.30, reasonable nick, $6.98. We'll take that all day, all day. Um, you are on, what is this thing called? Mornings with Ian Smith. I had to look at the big screen. Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy's still in Havelock. He's all good. Uh, thank you for your text of concern. Smithy is all good. It's just the integrity of technology can't be trusted to survive three hours of a uh, morning show. But Fingers he, crossed he will be back tomorrow, though. Yes, so we're going to test and retest. Um, I think our equipment's all good. It's just power and internet and things like that that um, we can chuck them on here and, and we don't lose them um, because of power outages and Wi-Fi outages, I'm, I don't fully understand the technology that gets him on here from his um, laundry in, in Havelock North. Um, but yeah, again, watching the pictures last night on, on television, reading the reports and various media outlets, while it stopped raining, um, we haven't stopped thinking about you guys. It's 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 like false security when you know we had blue sky in Auckland yesterday, it's blue sky again today. Um, but I am fully aware there are people still doing it tough. There's still casual water. I completely feel for the people of Gisborne. Wairoa, jeez. Wairoa, you're completely cut off. Um, huge parts of Hawke's Bay as well. And let's not forget Coromandel with the reduced access. I really do feel on behalf of you all. And if you want to give those people just a message of support, do text us on double eight double three. We're, we're trying to run a bit of a community um, notice board, support, whatever you want to call it. And I know um, when I've had times of um, 
testing times in my life and you just get a text from a stranger, from someone you know, it does help. So don't be afraid to text us, double eight, double three. Um, messages of support to those that are affected um, or do feel free at any time to give us a call on 0800 150 We'll have a break. We'll round out the hour. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Welcome back in. Uh, coming up to news at 10, just after 10 o'clock, Daniel McCarty, our cricket commentator. He commentates everything. He's a freak show. Um, Ken has texted in and said, Staffy, the Blues are giving Zahn Sullivan a start in the second half in the 10 jersey. That's his position in the future. Great to have Craig on board. Cheers. Thank you, Ken. I knew you'd enjoy hearing from him. Um, hey boys, great show. Any chance you could get Zoe's dad, Sean, uh, send it on for an interview? I'm wondering how many f bombs we would get from him. Uh, Jamie, we'd just be constantly on the dump button. <laughs> but I do know that uh, the afternoons are trying, so it could be an interesting chat. That uh, two dads, McIver and uh, oh dear. Said it. yes, um, Staffy. Who says it has to be a pink ball test? I don't know who whose edict that is. I actually don't know who makes the decision, Sean, but I don't mind it. A little bit of innovation. Uh, Dermot says, when everything settles down, how good would a flood relief concert be to raise money? That would be epic. I'm all in on that. Text in uh, who you want to see at that concert, and let's make that happen. Let's have it in the desert road. Just set up a huge festival like Burning Man, you know, in the middle of the desert road. And um, got a really cool message here from Aidan out of uh, Havelock North slash Hastings, which I'll read after the news. Um, he's a good man, Aidan, and uh, he messaged me privately offering the same sort of thing. So I want to give it the due uh, airtime because we're hard in on news now. So stick around, and uh, we'll be back after that. Daniel McCarty, not far away. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, welcome back in. You are on Mornings with Smithy, but it's Staffy. Uh, I'm not doing afternoons, I'm doing mornings while we sort out Smithy's rig in Havelock North, he's fine, he's fine. And just a text message has come through from Aidan. He said, hey, mate, if any listeners are struggling to contact um, family, friends or whatever in Havelock North or Hastings, feel free to get their details and let me know. So you can text us or phone us, take down the details, and I'll pass them on to Aidan. Um, he's done that for some people, and people just don't have comms in big parts of the Hawke's Bay. He's happy to go and... Um, pass on any messages so we can um, get Aiden to go and door knock and uh, and just put you two guys, uh, you people, into contact. Like, it took a long time for me to contact my sister, but I've been in touch with her. She's fine. But if there's people out there who are at a loose end about their friends and family uh, in Havelock North or Hastings, he's happy to do the, the legwork. Good man. So text us in double eight double three or give Brian a call on 0800 He'll take down the details, pass them to me, pass them to Aiden. We'll make it happen. That's what the community is all about. Now let's head down to uh, Mount Monganui Bay Oval is where they are putting the pink balls in the box, getting ready to pass them to the umpires to walk out to the field. The coin will be shined for the toss. And the man polishing his tonsils to do a big stint for the test match is our own Daniel McCarty. Daniel, welcome in. Exciting day. 
Steffi, good to hear your voice. Hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, polishing my tonsils. How does one do that? <laughs> I thought I was going to get the tip from you because uh, you exercise them long and strong in test matches. Yes, you, you tend to. I must admit, though, um, uh, being with... I'm on the other side of the coin. I'm actually with the visitors this time. I'm with the English crew, so I'm not sure they're willing to actually have this, you know, one-eyed Kiwi probably on here as much as uh, I, I normally would. So uh, I probably can sing a little bit louder at the karaoke bar at some stage during this, uh, this series. So when the, when the British commentators turn to you, Daniel McCarty, and say, what can you tell us about Jacob Duffy and Blair Tickner? We've never heard of them. What will you say? <laughs> well, well um, I've, it's actually a really interesting question you raise, uh, Staffy, because um, we don't see a whole heap of them, do we? We, no. we don't have a lot of domestic cricket coverage, uh, and a lot of us um, have to rely on the, the old sort of scoreboard scouting, which can be a little bit fraught with danger. Now, the likes of Tickner, um, Duffy, and Kugelein, of course, who, who's also in the mix, uh, we have at least seen them play international cricket, different forms of the game. Um, you know, Blair Tickner's played nine one-day internationals and approaching, I think, t- t- uh, 20 T20 internationals. So we've got a little bit of an element of, of the eye test uh, there. Duffy's uh, also got a, a smaller um, group of games, Kugeline too, more so in the T20 environment. Uh, but we, we are seriously looking at um, two players making their debut for New Zealand today. Uh, and that hasn't happened since we had to, um, you know, litter the side with spinners uh, against Pakistan back in December 2018. So uh, when, I, when I talk about and think about a Blair Tickner, I think of a very experienced first-class cricketer. He's approaching 30. This is not a, this is, this is not a young'un. This is a guy who's been playing first-class cricket since 2014, 2015, um, has taken, you know, a, a lot of first-class wickets. The way I would describe his performances in first-class cricket, Taffy, He's very steady. Um, in fact, there's um, you know, quite a bizarre sort of um, similarity to every single first-class cricket season we've seen over the last four or five years from Blair Tickner, which is uh, wickets um, being taken around 27, 28 and over 20 a season. So I call those rather steady. Nothing to, to get you know, wildly excited about as far as his return in the first-class game. Uh, the other thing you'll notice when you see him... Um, I, on, on your screens, his size is naturally tall guy, will get some uh, extra bounce, but he's by no means express. So uh, when you add Jacob Duffy or Kugeline into the mix alongside Souther and Wagner and, and Bracewell, it's a very green-looking New Zealand bowling lineup against an English batting lineup that has been supercharged uh, under the, the realm, of, um, under the guidance of Brendan McCallum and Ben Stokes. Staffy, during the 10 tests they've been in charge, England have gone at 4.77 runs and over. <laughs> uh, you extrapolate that out over, over 90 overs. That's 430 runs a day. Um, England have been playing the game at this breakneck pace, so New Zealand's inexperienced bowling lineup is going to have to do a job, is going to be put under serious pressure. The, the other two in the equation, Duffy, well, he is the numbers as far as performance at the first-class level uh, over the last couple of seasons, especially this year, I think, 22 wickets for Otago at just over 21. When Scott Kugline's probably more of a bowling all-rounder. So it depends what they want. Do they want the form horse with the ball? That's going to be Jack Duffy. If they want a bob each way, they might go with Kugeline, who's a bit quicker, a little bit more erratic, doesn't do as much with the ball laterally, but also offers a bit with, um, with the bat as well, with three first-class hundreds. So 
Uh, might be a toss of a coin between those two, but we do know, as you rightly pointed out, that Tickner will, will start and will make his test debut. Everyone in Israel Dag mentioned it on breakfast this morning, I heard him as I was driving in, that everyone's just crowing about England, England, baseball, lots of runs, run rate, strike bowlers. And it's very unusual that all the conversation is about England and the only conversation about New Zealand is why didn't they pick Trent Bolt? Um, and that's sort of that's sort of the talking point. I'm outraged. They might be a bit strong. I'm incredibly surprised and disheartened that Trent Bolt didn't play. I feel like New Zealand cricket's making a stand, not making the best team available. Yeah, and that's fair. Uh, and I can completely understand the perspective you and other fans bring. And I think solely from a lens through the fans, we just want to see the best players play all the time. Um, it's something we jump up and down about, and I think a lot of sporting organisations sort of forget that, the enjoyment and servicing your fans. So there is huge anticipation for the series. I do know it's not for World Test Championship points. I get that. Uh, but we still want to see our best team play and hopefully win games. Is there anything wrong with winning games? It was sort of a point that Stuart Broad raised um, uh, when uh, there was plenty of discussion around should England move Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad to the side when McCullum came in uh, to coach. And Stuart Broad pointed out what's wrong with winning test matches now. Um, And that probably rings quite loud in my ears uh, with regard to uh, Trent Bolt. Um, New Zealand are taking a bit of a longer-term view. I I, I sense, and I I haven't spoken to the key protagonists, Dead and Larson and others at the moment, uh, as far as do do they fear that this is sort of setting some precedent? I think Trent Bolt is sort of exceptional in the sense that he is going to get gobbled up by every T20 league in the world. He is that darn good. Uh, Will will all the other players be as in demand? I I have bigger questions. So I, I see him as sort of exceptional circumstances. And when you are going five, six, seven players deep because there are so many injuries and unavailabilities. Uh, I can understand why you, uh, and I've heard the analogy, break glass in case of emergency. Maybe this is one that you do actually call upon Trent Bolt as a one-off because you know Henry's probably going to be available for the next test. Um, uh, he's in Christchurch and congratulations to him and his family if the baby has arrived. Uh, but it was interesting to hear Ben Stokes describe when he was asked about the Trent Bolt situation, he said, if you say and act as if there is a problem, the players might start to think it is a problem. This is about the the sort of precedent um, example. So that was an interesting sort of throwaway comment before he finished off with, hey, it's not really England's problem to worry about Trent Bolt, although any side without Trent Bolt is not as strong. So, yeah, there's there's huge expectation on the other side of the equation. England have played at such... You know, what wonderful, entertaining, exhilarating, and most importantly, Sappy, winning cricket as well. I, I'm not sure the plaudits would be as strong as if they've had a five and five record in ten test matches rather than nine wins out of ten under the McCullum and uh, Stokes uh, duo. And Ben Stokes was very clear to point that out um, in his pre-match chat. He said they've captured the imagination of people who weren't into test cricket. Unfortunately, they've got a lot to live up to now, don't they? They That's sure exactly do. how he pointed it out. Mm, yeah, and just on that setting a precedent thing by um, Trent Bolt's contract status, they've, play, they've played cricketers for New Zealand that haven't had contracts. The one I know for sure was Jimmy Neesham. Um, they played him for New Zealand when he wasn't contracted, and it's, it's, it just stinks a little bit, Daniel. It smells a bit like trout on my back step for two weeks. There's just a funny <laughs> odour. 
And, and what will make it more complicated is um, I certainly think they should be, and I, I think this is their thinking, is Trent Bolt will go to a World Cup. So he's obviously in their thinking for a marquee event. Um, why, why not now then? Mm. So, yeah, it's a complicated one. Um, I really do empathise with fans. I, I think, at, you know, far too often in modern day sport, what fans want is just not thought of. And I think it's pretty fair to say the fans want Trent Bolt playing. And there's a lot of excitement around the fan base. So I'm in, you know, Steffi, you know, I live in Wellington. The second test is in Wellington. People are scrambling to get tickets in that city for mm. the first few days. Mm. There, there is so much excitement and anticipation for it. Uh, it would just be nice to, to have New Zealand's best bowler. Um, let, let's look at what happened last year when these two sides played. Fred Bolt led all wicket-takers for New Zealand in that three-match series against England, took 16 wickets at around 28. The other bowlers combined took 24 wickets at over 50. <laughs> he was a standout. He, he is that good. And that's why I, I think at times you can be... You, you, you cannot worry about... Uh, you can forget, forget about setting precedence because this guy's such an elite level. Um, the next tier don't really match up um, as far as... And I'll say it again the attractiveness to them for global leagues around the world. And I think that um, that needs certain consideration because Trent Bolt really is in demand because he's that he's that good. Yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, finally, talking to Daniel McCarty before the uh, we're at day one, just starts at two o'clock. What do you think about the pink ball concept? Are you a fan? Uh, I'm probably more of a fan than Ollie Robinson from England. Um, he had some very strong thoughts about it. I'm not a giant fan. Um, I don't mind how often we're seeing them, which is quite intermittent staff, isn't it? it it's not like it's been forced down our throat all the time. Mm. Last time England were out here, we, we saw it at Eden Park. Um, England got scuttled for 50-odds. But one thing that stood out, no one really turned up. It, it, it didn't prove to be the attractiveness to the fans any more so than a regulation test match. Um, England, it will be quite unusual and probably um, unnecessary as far as their eyes are concerned. They are so well uh, supported in the test game back in England. We only need to flick on our screens and see how our chocker their stands are. And that was even before McCullum and Stokes took over. But Ollie Robinson, um, you know, called pink ball tests a gimmick. Um, He's also a little bit frustrated with the ball that they they have to use. Um, with, with, With the Kookaburra pink ball, not able to swing it as consistently so uh, yeah, you can you, again. There are there there are certainly arguments on both sides of the coin, but it is what it is, and, and the players are going to have to to deal with it. And we we will get into that uh, you know twilight section of the game where commentators sort of creep to the edge of the seat, expecting the ball to hoop around corners. <laughs> it probably it probably won't. Uh, but you know the change of light, the unusual nature, the fact that the players you know don't come across it all that time just adds a little bit of uncertainty. And it adds a different element to the game. Mm. Uh, so I don't mind it if we're not being, it's not being rammed down our throat to, um, at, uh, you know, too high a rate because, hey, I'm a traditionalist and I know I'm on a bit of an island. I know there has been a shift across cricketing fans, but, um, you know, the best form of the game is still test match cricket, especially if there is just a little uh, bit in the surface for the bowlers and, you know, ball can sort of dominate bat and it'll be, uh, hopefully that will be, be the case here across these two tests that we'll get a really good contest between bat and ball. 
Absolutely brilliant. Daniel, appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy your next five days at the former cricket that you love the most at one of the best grounds in New Zealand and a little bit of twilight as well. So go well, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Steffi, and uh, good luck to everyone out there who's been so badly impacted over the last few days. It's crazy, isn't it? Sure is. Appreciate your time, Daniel. Um, we'll take a break, and on the other side, it's going to be the panel, the panel of Andrew Gordy and Jamie Wall. I've never run the panel before, so this will be fun. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Big subjects, big opinions. On Mornings with Ian Smith, but Staffy in the chair today. Uh, we're going to cover a few things off with uh, the great man Andrew Gordy and uh, Jamie Moore, who just fell off the phone box. So uh, I'll welcome in uh, Gordy, though. Andrew, very good morning. Morning to you, Steph. How are you, mate? I'm good. I, I wanted to talk to you guys, first of all, about um, the Hellbergs last night. I think it's the first Hellbergs... I wasn't shocked by any of the decisions. It seems to have been quite widely accepted that the right winners won. Is that how you view it? Yeah, I've got to say, uh, well, in terms of sportsman, sportswoman, team of the year, coach of the year, and the Supreme Award winner, they were they were all my personal picks. I uh, still have a gripe that James McDonald wasn't included as one of the finalists for the sportsman of the year. But anyway, that's a... Another gripe for another day, which I've already aired on this program anyway, so I don't need to go on about it anymore. Um, but no, the right person uh, won Sportsman of the Year and and all the other categories. Delighted to see Zoe Sadowski Sinek get the uh, Supreme Award. I did sort of have a funny feeling that perhaps the Black Ferns might have, uh, might have got that award purely just on the, I suppose, the wave of public sentiment that came with with their World Cup win uh, and everything and everything around that, I suppose it was a it was a, they were obviously very popular winners on the night for team of the war uh, team of the year coach of the year with the Wayne Smith and obviously uh, the sporting moment of the year, which I also completely agree with uh, Joan and Yan Wu. I think uh, you know they should uh, they should have that moment immortalised in bronze outside Eden Park to yes. coincide with the awarding of her Danehood, in my in my humble opinion. But um, no, I think by and large the Hellbergs are. Uh, the Hellberg Judging Committee got it right this time. Yeah, the only one I had a slight question mark, like if I was on the Judging Committee, I might have plumped for Aaron Gate. I just think four gold medals on track and then on road, and the way he won that road gold was phenomenal. But is it because it's Commonwealth versus Olympic that maybe have gone against them? It's, it's as simple as that, mate. It is as simple as that. And and look, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And, and look, the efforts of Aaron Gates at the Commonwealth Games were utterly phenomenal. I mean, to win four gold medals is just absurd. Um, but you are winning medals at a lower standard of competition. And, you know, if it weren't for the historic and utterly mind-boggling feats of Zoe Sadowski Senate, we would probably be talking about Nico Porteous being the Supreme uh, Award winner this time around. You know, uh, I think we because because we go we have a recency bias. We all do, mm. and we kind of forget that how just how incredible that Winter Olympic Games was for New Zealand. You know, for a nation that obviously you know we we we've got our we've got our mountains. Obviously, we, you know we've got uh, you know the wonderful um, playground that is that is Queenstown, and so we have a, a, a huge snow sports um, a sort of a, a connection to snow sports, I suppose, would be the way to put it, um, as Kiwis. But I don't think that's always um, 
equalled success on the world stage, but now we've got two utterly outstanding young athletes um, who have demonstrated that they are the very best in the world and they just happen to both come at once, um, which is a little unfortunate perhaps for Nico because uh, Zoe, with her efforts, you know, be- becoming the first person to win an Olympic gold medal, uh, Winter Olympic gold medal, and then to pick up a silver as well, just just quite an incredible performance. And I, and I think it's easy to forget just because it was, you know, it was many months ago now, just what an incredible achievement that was. So, no, I was, I was personally satisfied to see Nico scoop the uh, the sportsman award ahead of Aaron Gate. Yeah, the the alarming thing, and I don't I don't want to sound mean, but it's almost sports girl and sports boy of the year. They barely got their training wheels of life off off themselves, and I think it's it's just so encouraging for our youth of New Zealand to have um, such young. They are adults um, winning our supreme awards. Uh, walking away with gongs, and then, and, and as you say, Zoe, who is very, very young, it just seems a little bit more achievable now for our 14, 15 year olds that they're not far away from the pinnacle. For me, that was my big takeaway. Yeah, mate, you're absolutely right. And and look, that that um, the appeal to youth is an enormous um, facing all sports. Frankly, it is a problem facing all sports, and not least rugby. I think that's a that's a that's a, a completely separate question. I think you can apply to things like the appointment of the next All Blacks coach, and you know what perhaps New Zealand rugby should be prioritising when it comes to the appointment of the next All Blacks coach. I think you know sort of vaguely where I'm heading with that. Yeah, I think for for people to see that you know uh, what are they twenty twenty one year olds are winning the Helberg Sportsman and of the year mm. is brilliant for snow sports it is brilliant for all sports across the board but it's also really important for the Halberg awards i think you know i i i mean i've been an open critic uh of these awards and the way they are judged a massive supporter of the Halberg that they do but these awards have been deeply flawed for many years the judging has has not been uh particularly uh what's the word i'm looking for um, I don't know, I just, I just don't think it's been fair. I think it's been biased from time to time. But in recent years, we've seen people like Israel Adesanya and now Nico Porteous and, and Zoe uh, breathing a, a, a breath of fresh air, I suppose, into what have been a very good evening. Um, you know, I don't mind dropping F-bomb here and there. I just think it's sort of... It's bringing it into the 21st century, which is what what the Halberg Awards desperately needed. Um, and I think it's great to see different sports getting recognised. Was it was was track and field, um, you know, and that's nothing to take away from those athletes. I mean, they they fully deserved it, but they did become largely predictable. I think the the Halberg Awards from from year to year, and essentially you knew that, you know, in an Olympic cycle, you pretty much knew who was scoop the major awards it was either going to be sort of Dane Val or, or perhaps one of the rowers um, and in between times every second year it was probably going to be either a Commonwealth athlete or perhaps you know a World Cup winner or something like that but it's nice to see these other sports you know UFC for Israel Adesanya snow sports um, with with Zoe and Nico uh, getting that recognition at the top level and, and like you say the impact that that has on the youth of, of this country and their their desire, I suppose, to stick with the sports that they're participating in to, to show them that, you know, if they stick at it, um, 
there are there are different options outside of you know your traditional rugby, football, netball, cricket sort of sports um, that you can succeed in and get recognition at the very highest level. Bang on. We've managed to get a hold of Jamie Wall. He joins us now. Jamie, we've been thrashing the Halbergs. I offered that maybe Aaron Gate might have squeezed in, but Commonwealth versus Olympic didn't quite get it for him. Just your summation of the award winners. Were you were you comfortable with everything that transpired last night? Yeah, morning, guys. Uh, oh, Pretty hard to follow up on what uh, Gord's just uh, uh, said there. He's kind of said it all, really. Um, and sorry, mate. Um, but I, I think that I think that it was largely predictable, um, given that you know gold medal winners generally just go on to win, especially in individual competitions, generally go on to win um, the Helberg Awards. Uh, I don't think there's much um, complaints about Zoe and Nico. Uh, picking up awards and like like Andrew said, it, it is great to see young people in in interesting sports uh, like that, that that younger people are just generally interested in um, picking up stuff and being recognised by I guess what you could say the establishment. Um, at the same time though, the Blackfern success still does show that and and you mentioned there Andrew that you know that you have alternative sports and it doesn't show that rugby. And, and whatever is is always going to win everything. But it does still show just what a hold rugby does have on, on not only the public but the media as well. Um, and the fact that the, the Black Ferns World Cup success was such a big deal. Um, you know, it's played in the same sport on the same stage as the All Blacks do, and it just goes to show that um, there is really daylight between rugby and everything else when it, to, when it comes to coverage um, in this country. And, you know, that's kind of fair enough, I guess. Uh, and so that's why they, they, they won that. And um, it was cool to see Wayne Smith um, picking up that award, uh, uh, getting winning some silverware that kind of closes the ch- uh, yet another chapter on, on the Black Ferns, I think. Uh, and, and it sets a kind of a th- uh, theme now to a challenge, I guess, to, to NZ Rugby as to what happens next with, with uh, women's rugby and how can you build on the success. So... So, yeah, I think it was a fitting way to kind of close out um, what's been a really uh, tumultuous uh, last 18 months or so for women's rugby in New Zealand. Right, we'll get Andrew Gordy, Jamie Wall, just to hang on there for news. We're going to come back after news. We're going to touch on the Black Caps, the, new, the law changes in Super Rugby, and the Breakers. So all of that with the panel after the news. The panel. Yes, and we return. I can just hear, I've just had confirmed just after 11, we will have Sarah Hidany live on the show from the airport, but it'll be great to catch up. A couple of awards for her last night as well. But, gentlemen, Andrew Gordy, Jamie Wall, Jamie, the Black Caps, um, so much weather around. It's going to be a little bit of a, um, a scratchy, I think. The, the wicket, we don't know what it's going to do till that first ball gets bowled. Pink ball test, green block. Are you excited? Oh yeah, absolutely excited. I mean, this is kind of flown under my radar a little bit, just given the, the scarcity of um, cricket being played and in, in uh, international cricket being played in New Zealand this summer. And then that coupled with the fact that we haven't even really had a summer up in, in these parts uh, doesn't doesn't really feel like cricket season at all. So to sort of discover this week that oh well, that's right, there's a cricket season starting. Um, I mean, the fact that it's actually starting on time um, is a real testament to the ground staff. Um, well done to them for getting it, getting the pitch block ready. Yeah, it's going to be a green wicket. It's, it, to be fair, it's always a green wicket um, in, at a home test in New Zealand. Um, that, that's worth about, I reckon, five wickets like straight away for any black cap side. 
just because batters get freaked out even just looking at it. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think that given England's form in pink ball tests, I think, if I remember correctly, I think they've lost five out of the six that they've played. That will definitely play into what is already a kind of significant home ground advantage for the Black Caps. But in saying that, um, the English obviously do have a very, very potent way of um, uh, dealing with uh, New Zealand conditions, which is the coach who's going to tell them that, that, you know, obviously it's just it just looks green. It's still going to play like a, a wicket um, that you'll find uh, in, in, in England um, because that would be probably the one place that has the most similar conditions um, to New Zealand. So I, I would probably back England, given that the, the Black Caps are going in you know, significantly under strength um, into this one and still haven't really finalised what you'd call like a really solid um, starting 11. And it's just a shame that the Trent Bolt situation um, has kind of overshadowed that, that selection talk uh, because I feel like he'd be pretty handy right now. Yeah, I do too. Um, Gords, um, as a cricket fan, I say... Be damned your politics, your precedents, your procedures. Give us our best players against the best cricket team, test cricket team in the world at the moment. On his home patch, with a pink ball, best left armour in the world, he'll be sitting in the stands watching. I, I just can't get my head around not Trent Bolt playing. Yeah, look, and I'm glad you brought this up because we had a, a sort of tried to <laughs> play devil's advocate here. Like, I'm with you. As a, as a fan of the game and a supporter of New Zealand cricket, or cricket in New Zealand, I should say, of course I want to see Trent Bolt playing test cricket on New Zealand soil. He is our best bowler. There is no question about that. Um, and, of course, I want to see him lining up against England. I'm going to try and present an impartial argument here, OK? Because I don't think people fully appreciate the, the floodgates would just come bursting down. And and I think it, the precedent that is set by allowing Trent to then play test cricket would be, I don't think they would ever get it back. And I'll try and explain why, right? A lot of this is to do, like, Trent has gone from essentially being, I'll try and put this in terms that everyone can relate to, right? So when you're a, when you're a contracted, centralised contracted player, you are essentially like a full-time employee, Okay. But Trent has decided to become a freelancer. Now, we all know that with that, the, the, char- the, the, or the rate, I suppose, that you can charge for your work is completely different. And it is, and it is based on a completely different set of rules. So, for example, every player that's going to play test cricket for New Zealand today, they earn a match fee for that test match, which is complementary to their base salary. Now, Trent doesn't have that. So what's the negotiation? If Gar- Gary Stead calls up Trent and says hey, we'd love you to play cricket for New Zealand, Trent's not going to be asking for his usual match fee that he's had um, as a fully contracted player. He's going to be in a position to negotiate a completely different fee to every other player. Now, that could be as much as, I don't know, potentially three times what a match fee might be for any other player who's, who's playing today. Now, what, sort of, what does that do to the dressing room? knowing if you knew that Trent Bolt was being paid three, three times as much as you were, for example, uh, but for doing exactly the same work, what are you going to do? And what are you going to think? You're going to think, what's the point in me doing this? If I'm good enough to play for New Zealand, then I should just do what Trent does and go around the world earning, earning, earning top dollar playing um, a shorter version of cricket um, and not having to have the same 
sort of, I suppose, restrictions that are placed on you as a contracted player. So, the, yeah, I don't think people fully appreciate the precedent that would be set by, by just taking the easy option, and it would be the easy option, and picking Trent Bolt in this instance. Again, can't stress enough, like, I'm a, I would love to see Trent Bolt playing cricket, but I think there has to be a ramification for choosing the path that he has taken. Congratulations, Andrew Gordy. You've managed to sandpaper off the sharp edges I had on the chopping block I had ready for the uh, New Zealand cricket. Um, you've made a bit of sense there. You've made a bit of sense. Uh, very quickly, we're running out of time. I'll skip Super Rugby because that's done to death. The Breakers, though. Uh, Jamie, the Breakers, are you are you on board with them? Um, does it matter to you if they win or not? How important is this season for them and their fans? Um, yeah, just before that, I just obviously agree with what Andrew just said about the um, about Bolt and everything. And I think one one thing that we really need to kind of keep in the back of our minds here is how this situation is going to affect women's cricket as well, because mm. we've already seen a massive influx of money into that sport as a result of, I guess, the gambling market that exists around cricket now and, and how that controls it. And I think that um, given the lack of sort of pay uh, parity that's existed in women's sport just in general. Um, this is going to affect that a lot more, given that the White Ferns uh, have always kind of been based around two or three, you know, outstanding players, and the rest are kind of making up numbers. If you take those players out, it's going to really, really harm that team. Anyway, sorry, the the Breakers, yes, uh, absolutely on board with it. Um, I think I've always been a big fan of the concept of them and the fact that they are a team that uh, is doing it the right way in an Australian professional league. Um, you know, I've obviously been successful in the past. The last few years have obviously been an incredible struggle um, for this side. And sport is all about redemption stories. You know, like they've fallen from grace, I guess you could say. Um, they've had their issues uh, off the court. Um, you know, that there's always something to talk about these guys. They've, they've, <coughs> their um, <coughs> uh, uh, PR department certainly uh, isn't shy about uh, making that happen. Um, you know, I, I think that people, <laughs> people are... Um, uh, uh, always go and watch them play. They have a very loyal fan base. And, um, yeah, I hope that they can get this series done against the Jack Jumpers, who have also been a pretty good um, addition to the league. Uh, you know, and I think that it's um, people don't really appreciate just how high a level um, that the AMBL um, actually is and what the Breakers are, are achieving in that. So well done to them this season. And, um, you know, if they can... Get, their, get some more decent players on their books, um, we can be looking at another sort of run of, good few years of run of, of success for them. Mm, yeah, I'm excited for it uh, tonight. Gords, uh, where do you sit with the Breakers? Yeah, I've got high hopes for these guys. I mean, I fully expect them to, to do the job uh, tonight and, and advance. Um, and from there, you know, if, if you... If you get into the big dance, anything can happen, right? So, and they deserve it. I really, I really admire, especially Modi Maor. I think that guy has had a uh, almost, I'd describe a transformational effect on on that club and that team. Um, I love the way he goes about his business. I love the way he conducts himself. Um, so that guy in particular, I think, deserves uh, every ounce of success that comes his way. And and I think the players, uh, like you touched on, Jamie, deserve enormous respect. Uh, for what they've been through over the last uh, couple of years in particular, and I think now that they've been somewhat on a, on a more level footing, let's say, with, with some of the other teams in this competition, um, I think they're showing what they're capable of. So, yeah, certainly um, on the breakers' bandwagon, so to speak. And, look, they're a club that's been without success or the sort of success that I suppose breakers fans have been used to 
uh, in previous years for, for some time now. So, yeah, it'd be good to see them, uh, I suppose, back in their rightful place, at least contesting the title in, a, in an NBL grand final. Let's hope it happens. Andrew Gordy, Jamie Wall, really appreciate your time today on SCNZ. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Cheers, mate. Cheers, boys. There they are. Great insights from those two gentlemen. We'll take a break and we're going to chat to Louis Herman Watt on our Love Racing update. And thankfully, we've got some racing to talk about now that the rain and the wind and all of that's gone away. So, Love Racing update after this. Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> racing's biggest fan, second biggest fan is Louis Herman Watt, who joins us now. Louis, we've got racing. We're, we're going synthetic. <laughs> we are. We're on the... the Synthetic, the savior, which is the synthetic uh, at Cambridge today. Just a, a quiet six car, car, six race meeting, and not the biggest fields, but that's all right. Horses that need to run will be getting a run. Horses that like the synthetic getting a, a run. Um, it, I wouldn't say these are horses that are going to go on necessarily win Group One, but they're all paid up and they all deserve their shot today, Steph. You know how it works. Um, I'd just be a little bit weary, lobbing, lobbing anything out of the good one, as I always say on the synthetics. But there is one in race one, which I think from a good draw can make its presence felt. And that is groomsman Michael McNabb and Stephen Marsh, barrier two. Um, should be able to jump, get somewhere near the pace or maybe just in behind it. And I think groomsman in race one at four bucks, dollar thirty five should be pretty hard to beat. But as I say, it's pretty wide open racing there at uh, Cambridge. And then tomorrow we're at New Plymouth. And New Plymouth's done a good job here because they have picked up the cup that was meant to be run, the wide or cup that was meant to be run at Hastings on Sunday. They've abandoned that meeting for obvious reasons. Um, and New Plymouth has picked up the AFCO New Zealand Limited wide or cup, which is the open handicap over 1,900 metres and has a really good field. Um, Horses like La, Fla- La Flora Bells, uh, Oso Savvy, Rapid Falls, River Run, Bully Boy, Dalmatia, Opawa Jack, the three-year-old for Chrissy Bambury, who's on to bigger and better things already, uh, Flying Egg and Bear Grills. So that's a nice race tomorrow. Can I just ask you before we head off, Louis, that with the synthetic track, it's been around for a while now. Now, I know there's some horses don't go so well on synthetic, so uh, trainers, owners keep them away. Are there horses that are suited to synthetic and we can, it's worthwhile looking at form on synthetic to see if it agrees with the horse and therefore they've got a bit, bit of an advantage? 100%. Not literally. First thing I do when I do the synthetic form is go to the track and see if it's raced there before. Uh, low draws, soft runs, and track track stats. That's what I look for because the, some of them just don't like the bounciness off the synthetic. They prefer getting their toe into it, and that kind of getting that traction really kicks them along. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, it's real. Look, it is a lot of it's pace related, but. If you stack them up on the synthetic, you can kind of just bounce away from them. So a low draw is really important. Or vice versa, if it looks like there's a lot of pace in the race, they will go so hard and so fast 
that they tire themselves up faster than they do. They can't necessarily hang on like they can sometimes on grass. So, it's you know, if you can work out speed maps on synthetics, A, good luck, but B, you're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> well spotted, Louis. Hey, great to have you on the show again, mate, with the Love Racing update. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. See you, man. Bye-bye. Louis Herman Watt there with um, the Love Racing update and loveracing.nz. That is your home of thoroughbred racing. That's where you find all the replays, the profiles, the previews, the whole lot uh, valuable at this time of year as well to get all of their insights. So thank you to Love Racing. We'll come back, and I think we've got TAB update after this, so let's do that. Arts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it is time for the TAB update. Uh, the great man, Paulie Mawadi, joins us. Paul, big, big day of cricket trading coming up. Weather, England and New Zealand. Three teams. <laughs> uh, you should probably mention... Brendan McCallum as well, because I get the feeling that there's a lot of support for Baz and um, England, who are still $2.11 to win the first test, have been very heavily backed. They are by far and away the favourites in the minds of the punters. Biggest bet so far in that head-to-head market, $1,400 on England at $2.11. Now, earlier on this week, a couple of days ago, we took a few bets on the draw what with uh, the weather, uh, the way it was. But it looks like we're probably going to get um, a, a good sort of uh, four or five days play if they need four or five days, the way that Baz coaches a team. Who knows? May not. Uh, but England, very, very well backed in that head-to-head mar- head market. It's still $2.11, and there was a wee bit of speaking about the draw a couple of days ago. In terms of the power plays that we've got on that market, you can have a bet on when you think the test will finish. The most popular at the moment, test to finish on day four. That's paying 375. That's been very, very well backed by punters. And I've also had a little stab on our good friend, our Capitan, um, Tim Southey. Uh, him and James Anderson, both to take three or more wickets in the first innings. That's paying $5. That's been another very popular power play in that first test up at Tauranga due to start later on the Sabah. Very, very quickly, New Zealand women in the T20 World Cup have got Bangladesh. Uh, top run scorer, the two favourites have failed uh, so far in the World Cup with Sophie Devine, Susie Bates. Anyone else getting traffic? Uh, Amelia Kerr, she's the best back in that uh, top run scorer market for the New Zealand women. She's $5, and I don't, I don't want to load on them, but boy, the Bangladesh women at $9 have been backed. Oh, there we go. Paul Mawadi with the oil. Stick with us. Thank you. TAB.co.nz for all of that. Sarah Hidini will join us after 11 o'clock. Arts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Welcome back in. Uh, just gone 11 o'clock. We're going straight to the airport because there's a very important passenger about to board. So uh, very grateful that... Um, one of the stars of the show last night, always a star of my show, is Sarah Hidden. joins us. G'day, Sarah. 
Very, very good. I tell you what, I was blown away when they were announcing this leadership thing, uh, the leadership award from Sport New Zealand, and they read your name, and I literally punched the air. I, w- I was expecting someone like 70 or 80 who'd been around for a million years, and I'm so stoked they recognised your leadership. Uh, you let a little cat out of the bag you'd known for a couple of weeks. What does that award mean to you? Yeah, it was um, the phone call that I had a couple of weeks ago. I was actually in a bit of shock. I didn't really understand kind of what it had meant until we, like me and my husband, talked about it and he read out who had won it in the past. And I kind of jokingly laughed and I said, geez, do I now sit in that kind of older category? Um, but yeah, it was just, it's a huge honour to like receive an award like that. And I think it's kind of you know, weird for me being in a team sport and leading like an amazing team. I'm pretty lucky that you get to play alongside some of the best teams in the world, so probably the success of that. Um, but yeah, it was it's, it's been a huge honour, and I think I was lucky to be told because then I could prepare something and actually speak what I wanted to say, then kind of forget something and regret not saying it. So yeah. It was, an amazing night to be able to do that last night. So how do you get your head around that it's you that's been picked and it's you have to make the speech? Because I've seen that list of past winners as well. And it's like, you're now in that realm. How do you remove yourself from you and actually go, jeepers, I, I must be quite a good leader. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely never think that. I know I've got good people around me helping me, support me and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've got, probably haven't really thought about it um, too much around like where I sit or who I sit alongside because I know there's still so much that I want to do there's like I still want to play and, and lead my country but there's a lot of stuff that I want to do off the field and probably know that I haven't done yet so it was probably more around writing a list of the things that I actually want to achieve as a leader and uh, yeah, I know there's still so much that I want to do. The thing I liked was you you identified right back to high school and I guess that's, I, I wanted to know where you think you've developed your leadership skills. I know very close connections in your family, um, very close connections in your sevens ground, but you took it back to school. Is that when you started liking the mantle of leadership? Yeah, I, I knew that that's where a lot of it started. Um, when I was at the hostel at Fielding High School, um, like Rick Francis was, he was our hostel manager, and we would do things that, like I'm getting re-taught now about college setting, and like he kept, he would always talk about you need to be or strive to be the uh, in the top 20% in your field and what you do in the world, and that really stuck with me. It was like... He didn't care where you came from or what you had or what you didn't have. He was like, you can make it from anywhere. You can do stuff, but you have to do stuff every day to want to do that. And like, I haven't forgotten that. There's a lot of the skills that he taught me, a lot of the books that he gave me back then, I reread now. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. Like, I learned so much about um, like putting yourself out there, being confident in what you had and so I, like, I had to um, acknowledge him and what he had done for me, and I know a lot of other students at that school as well. How cool was it to get back with those girls? Because I think it's quite good to take some time away for the euphoricness of the moment of winning the World Cup. You go away, you've been away to a couple of sevens tournaments, and now you're back with that group that achieved so much, not just for yourselves, but the whole of New Zealand. Tell us about that little reunion that happened last night. 
yeah, it was pretty cool seeing them at the hotel and then a lot of them at the awards and I had some of them I hadn't seen since we'd um, won the World Cup. So yeah, it was obviously a lot of hugs and um, a lot of giving each other a bit of grief for what we we're wearing and things like that. <laughs> but <laughs> like I like I said last night, uh, I still get goosebumps seeing that last the moment of the year that we obviously won last night. But seeing Jonah's hand in the line out. It brings me so much joy, and I know how much joy it's given the rest of New Zealand too, which makes me even more happy that people will remember that moment for forever, and they know exactly where they were, who they were with, um, when that moment happened. So, yeah, it was pretty cool to be able to, I suppose, re-celebrate that moment last night, and um, and then also see like people just enjoying um, or celebrating all that New Zealand sport went off last night. Yeah, I've been to a few of those awards and it's a really cool thing and it's quite fun. You watch you watch a rower will make a beeline for a rugby player and a swimmer will go and talk to a cyclist and you don't get to mix and mingle with our top athletes very much apart from Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games because you're all in your own little sport bubble. Um, who were some of the people that came and had a chat to you or you went and had a chat to last night? Yeah, I was, to be honest, I was a bit gutted that Zoe wasn't there last night, someone I probably would have loved to have a photo with, um, with all her success. And mm. But for me, it's always like Dame Lisa, um, Dame Val, yeah, those two would, um, are always probably number one on my list to go and talk to when you go to awards like that, when you don't get to see them very often. But no, they've made a massive impact on um, sport, but also in my life as well. So, how far ahead are you planning, Gossy? You're still a young woman. You've still got so much to put right on the on the fields, um, but you've got a massive future after the fields. But please tell me you're not in a hurry to hang the boots up. No, definitely not really hanging the boots up. Good. It's a scary thing. I'm like getting these awards. Does that mean that I'm like no on the way up? But no, nah, no, nah, I'm I'm sticking around for um, for a little while yet and. Obviously, in the short term, we head to Vancouver next week, so excited to um, continue the series with the seven girls. But yeah, I don't know. Now that um, Lance has taken over that 15s role, I said I probably wouldn't go back to 15s, but never say never now. <laughs> How much did your phone <laughs> blow up with text messages last night? <laughs> it's been nuts. Um, to be honest, I haven't even got through half of them yet, but, but I will because I know how important it is for people to reach out and. And, um, and that so yeah very very grateful for, for all the messages that I've received for not just the award that I got but also our team's award and stuff as well and um, yeah some yeah it's been, uh, it's been incredible. Well, you don't have to reply to mine, which you haven't seen yet, um, but I would like to extend a big <laughs> yes, thing. I'd like to send a big thanks to your PA, Connor Hirini, your your husband. <laughs> and, and if I see you haven't read it, I know you're not ignoring it, so I just go, Connor, can you ever talk to your boss, please? And uh, he makes it happen. So <laughs> I'm very appreciative of that. <laughs> I did laugh. He was like, "All right, you've got a call at just after eleven on Saturday." Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not. I, I I feel bad by using him to get to you, but I knew how busy your phone would be. But um, I was so stoked with your leadership award. I just think it's it's brilliant. Um, and the big thing, and I was telling people at work this morning a little bit, what I know about you is your whole drive is family, Fano. And kids, you love playing and representing and inspiring boys and girls, and that's our next generation. And it's not too long ago you were the next generation. Now you're living it. Now you're being it. Um, I love the inspirational side of your character, Gossie, and uh, long may it continue. 
I appreciate that, mate. I, I know how privileged I am to be doing something that I love every day and not many people get to say that, but geez, if I can help a couple of people do that in their lifetime, then yeah, it's a, it'll be a pretty cool place for them to be. So. Awesome, mate. For everyone around me, but yeah, love it. Brilliant. I'll let you get on the plane and we'll catch up soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, mate. Hey, the painting was awesome last night too. Yeah, thank you. It was. It was very cool. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Sarah Hidden there, captain of the Black Ferns team, is an integral part of our Black Ferns um, World Cup victory as well. She just mentioned a painting. As some of you know, I do paintings. And I actually did one last year for the Halberg Foundation to be auctioned at um, last year's Halbergs. Um, and they thought they'd, they'd put a few of their items on Trade Me and it just didn't quite work. So it never sold. Um, so it was a painting of Sir Murray on the dais when he won his gold medal alongside an original photo. So I painted the original photo. So the lot was the photo and the painting. It sold last night for $15,000. And I'm like, oh, commission? <laughs> but no, I'm more than happy for it to go to the Helberg Trust. They do a wonderful, wonderful job. And when I was dealing with them just over a year ago to do this, um, commission this painting, and I spent some time with the people there. And I went up to their offices. Gosh, what an inspiring bunch of people and their ambassadors that um, were placed through the broadcast last night. Our, our young New Zealand disabled athlete ambassadors are so refreshing, a real breath of fresh air. They're just absolutely brilliant. And I think the thing I really want to impress upon people is the Helberg Foundation isn't there for the sports awards. It's there to enable disabled athletes. The Helberg Sports Awards are their fundraiser to enable them to do what they do throughout the year. They have a swag of volunteers. They just, they couldn't afford to run their programs without their volunteers, so a huge thank you to the volunteers. But the Helbergs weren't set up to provide an awards or anything. The Helbergs were set up to help disabled athletes participate, and um, I just really wanted to stress that. Uh, I got a question for you, Steph, because you were staying out watching that last night while I was counting down the minutes <laughs> for uh, full swing to drop, which, by the way, now figured out that it is all based on midnight Pacific time, so LA time, which is 9 p.m. for us. So I was only able to squeeze in one episode. Uh, the Halbergs, you know, been affected in the last couple of years in terms of, you know, COVID not being able to do a full production and that kind of thing. What was it like last night? It was really good. I thought if I was going to be, oh no, I'm not going to be picky. I thought it was good. I mean, two new presenters, it's a big gig. You know, a lot of New Zealand are watching that, free to air and on Sky. So Carl Tanana and Storm Purvis, I thought, did great. First time they've been doing it. Um, then they had Ricky Swinnell and Gorham Paladin. Um, it looked like they were at the back of the room on a bit of a riser and they would get to interview um, some of the winners as well. Um, it was all right. Uh, the thing that they learned from last year, which uh, was an absolute error last year, when they do the um, acknowledging those that have passed, um, athletes and representatives that have died in the last 12 months, they kept moving the camera back onto the singer. That's right. I remember that. Oh, and I'm like, get the camera back. This is about, and they just had a locked off camera with the images of those that have passed. And it's a very poignant moment when you see Joel Evandiri, Vangatu Gamala, all of these athletes, the young um, New Zealand ice hockey rep yeah. that drowned. Dale, Dale got a mention. Yes. 
Oh, well, that's good. Yes, and I had to Google and just say, what happened? And he drowned. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, not a not a great way to end the year, to be honest. No. Yeah, it was, um, it was quite hard to... To get through, I was there for the memorial service there in Auckland, um, and it was just, yeah, it, I mean, I'm actually kind of blown away that they um, sort of gave him a mention there. That's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was very cool. And, of course, Sue Murray himself um, sadly passed within the last 12 months. I saw a former um, sports broadcaster suggest it's time for a name change for the Hellbergs. Are you serious? Wouldn't it be even more apt now? A hundred percent. He needs a refresh and... You know, the fact Scott Dixon doesn't win and Winton Rufus never won and all of this stuff and just really was going down hard on it, which is why I impress upon the fact, don't don't make it your religion, the Helberg Sports Awards. It's about celebrating achievement. Yes, some win, some don't. James McDonald didn't make it past the first nomination stage. That can stick in your craw. Don't detract from the other performances and don't lose the sight that it is a fundraiser. It's an, uh, an awareness grower for um, disabled athletes or, or physically challenged athletes to still participate. Honey Hitomi Smiler is an active part of the Helberg Foundation with the work she does with these athletes out there, and she said the most rewarding job she's ever done. So, yeah, I just wanted to pass that on. A couple of messages come in about Sarah. Sarah Hitomi is the Black Ferns version of Richie McCaw. Gives a million percent, and the players just follow it. Great shot. Sarah Hitomi, top 20 cent. Top 20%, try 1%. She's the standard best player in the 2022 World Cup. I agree. I agree. Uh, Staffy, have you tweeted a picture of the painting? I haven't, but I will. I haven't, but I will. I'll tweet it out very shortly. I'd never tweet them out or share them on social media till I've gone from the auction because, I don't know, I don't feel it's... It's right to tweet it till it's been to the auction. I don't know. I've got a couple that are going to auction very soon. I haven't tweeted them out either. But anyway, um, Blackie, over there in Perth, I'll tweet it out shortly. Uh, coming up to 20 past 11, uh, still to come on the show. I've lost my rundown. No, there it is. Oh, we got Stump by Smith. Not next, is it? No, that's after 11.30. That's after 11.30. Stump by Staffy. You won't be. You'll stump me. Um, more sports desk highlights. Fantastic. We'll get the big show in. Is the big show out there? It's the big show out there, the big show, or is it Watto today? Who is on today? Who's doing my show today? It's either the big show or Watto. It's one of those. Anyway, we'll find out who that is before we hand over, but stick around. We'll come back after a short break. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We're going to chuck the lines open, 0800 150 We've got about 10 minutes for you. So give us a yell. Anything that's happened on the show this morning, we've covered a lot of ground. The Halbergs, uh, reactions to those. Uh, the Trent Bolt situation, a lot of people have texted in and said, uh, where's this one? Um... From Jared here. Morning, Staffy. Well said, Andrew Gordy. He makes total sense now with the Bolt Saga. Keyword precedent for New Zealand cricket going forward from Jared. So any thoughts on um, the Trent Bolt thing, the cricket, um, the chat we've just had with Sarah Hidden, he got a lot of feedback on that as well. Sean is, uh, was it Sean that texted in? Doug should have been picked. Doug Bracewell. Um, Scott said that. And he also said Doug has 20 Wickets in first class this year. Duffy has four. 
how is he playing over Doug Bracewell? I don't know what the glitch is around not picking Doug Bracewell. Um, I think he should have played a lot more for New Zealand. I know he's had injury issues, um, etc. If you know what I mean, but um, fine, fine performer for New Zealand given the opportunity. I'd love to see him at the Bay Oval, but we're not going to. Uh, we are what are we? Two and a half hours away from the Test match starting at the Bay Oval. So as I say, I'd love to hear from you on 0800 150 811. Haven't talked to many people the last few days. Um, really keen to hear from you. Um, what else have we got here? Oh, when we were talking about a. Um, what did we call it? A flood relief concert, a, 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 ra- a money raiser, big concert. Um, what form could that take? I know they did it. Didn't in Australia they did a they raised funds after their bushfires, didn't they? And they had a massive concert, and it works, man, because there's so many people around the country saying, "What can I do to help? What can I do to help?" I can guarantee you, if you went to like six sixty LAB Fat Freddy's, they'd jump on board to help help their fellow Kiwis. Someone here suggested get Metallica out and a split ends reunion. I'd go. I'd go for the Metallica. I'd go for Enter Sandman. I'd pay my ticket um, and just have it on a do something different, you know? And while Eden Park has really, really shined, I think, in the last couple of years with hosting events like the Ed Sheeran one, I didn't go to that. That looked phenomenal. But you could raise some serious coin in New Zealand to help out um, just thinking about those, the people right around the North Island um, now, um, you know, I just, every time I think about it, I I just feel a bit down, um, having been born in Gisborne, spent a lot of time in Hawke's Bay, Coromandel's a beautiful part of the country and people go there for the for the lifestyle and their lifestyle's been ripped out from underneath them, the, the roads, the cables, the the phone connectivity, the power. Uh, the water, all those things we take for granted have just been ripped away from them in the last few days. And if New Zealand could jump on and do something, um, do, I don't know, what can we do collectively as New Zealand? I quite like that idea that came through. We should have a, a, fu- a fundraising concert. Bring back Telethon and John Hawksby. There we go. <laughs> Brian suggested, Telethon would work, you know. I wonder what a telethon would look like in this day and age. But I think New Zealand would get behind it. But strike now. Strike now and show the people that um, we have our we have our have their backs. I remember being involved in the what was it called? Fill the Basin. Stephen Fleming got behind the Fill the Basin cricket match at the Basin Reserve for the earthquake relief and he used his contact book and Shane Warne came over um, a number of international players came over, there were a few celebrities politicians, singers um, what's his name was the umpire at Square Leg and a deck chair Sir Ian McCullum was one of the umpires um, John Key had an over bowl to him from Shane Warne and Fujitsu were going to donate something like $5,000 for every boundary. It was brilliant, and everyone got behind it. And at the last minute, I remember we organised, I think it was Spark, they said if you text and donated $3 by texting XYZ, they'd match it dollar for dollar. That raised $250,000. Now, that would mean a lot to the community. That would mean a heck of a lot to the community. Um, So I quite like that. 
I quite like that. Um, one's coming from Mikey. G'day, Mikey, down there in Christchurch. Good to hear from you. Staffy, we don't have the money and resources like the Big Three in cricket. If we want a chance in beating England, New Zealand cricket, and particularly Stead, they need to swallow their pride and get Bolt in. Just my opinion. Yeah, I don't know how much, and I don't think Trent Bolt's the kind of guy to say, yeah, I'll play the test, give me 100 grand. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I really don't think he's that kind of guy. Sean with another great idea for a fundraiser. Top town. Yes, with a concert at night. Get a top town going. Get Fitiyanga, Whangamata, uh, Whangarei, Wairua, Hastings, Napier, Havelock. Get all those teams in. There you go. Great ideas out there in New Zealand. I'm trying to, because you brought out the uh, telethon idea. Wasn't there something last year or the year before? I can't remember the name of it, but it was all over TV. It was a big marathon effort. I want to say Jason Gunn was involved in some way. I'm trying really hard to remember what it was called, and I can't. It was a TV thing, was it? Yeah. I can't even remember what it was raising money for, but I swear it only happened about a year ago. (laughs) Oh, see if you can hunt that out. I know some radio stations do 24-hour marathons. Um, Same host on air for 24 hours. Would I put my hand up for that? You bet I would for New Zealand. You bet I would. I don't know how good it would be, but... um, you know, we, we had Ian Jones in uh, with the hope challenge of running, swimming and cycling uh, from the top of the North Island down to Parliament. Um, there's people out there will muck in and get behind something. So oh, maybe, gosh, Judkins, who, who started the Coast for Coast. There'll be people out there. There's probably people out there trying to figure out what we can do to try and help because I think New Zealanders will help New Zealanders and there's no reason we couldn't go international as well. Um, We're pretty highly thought of around the world um, as a nation and I think other nations would tip in and and help as well. Um, Like that cricket, uh, Russell Crowe came over from Australia. Um, Didn't play or anything like that. I think he managed one of the teams. Um, I think something like that should and could happen. So we'll keep our thinking caps on anyway. Eh? Um, you're on the mornings with Ian Smith, but Staffy and Smithy might be back tomorrow, just depending if we can get his equipment up and running out of Havelock North. Uh, and this show, as always, is brought to you by Brandt. They are your local John Deere equipment supplier. It's great to have them on board as part of the SENZ family. And I do always emphasise it's great if you guys out there can support uh the companies that support us because they keep us up and running. So, Brent, you're very, very valuable to us, and I thank you for being on board with us. Righto, we shall take a break. We'll come back on the other side with Stumped, 0800 150811. Give us a call. Not if you think you can stump me. If you know you can stump me, because you probably will. 0800 150811. We'll play Stumped after the news. Vodafone has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, pad up and grab your back because it's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Mark Stafford. He's in the position behind the stumps. He's ready to go. He's uh, dusted off some really old-looking keeper gloves. How's my stance? Um, 
I'd say you're going to cop a few, to be fair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you stand like that, I think a few are going to go past you to the boundary. <laughs> Nothing surer in the world. Says, says a man who uh, <laughs> only played wicketkeeper as high as seventh form in uh, Tauranga Boys College. But never mind. Uh, we are playing for a $50 TAB bonus bet today. This is how the game works. We have three categories to choose from. Get a question wrong. It's over to staff for a, a chance to knock your bails off. Get out within the first two questions, and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question, and we jackpot tomorrow to $100, where hopefully Smithy takes his rightful place back behind the stumps. Yes. First at the crease, Wade from Christchurch. Come in, mate. Morning, guys. G'day, Wade. Um, I was going to wish you good luck, but you don't need it against me. Uh, these questions <laughs> these questions are usually too hard for me, but we'll see how we get on. I'll, I'll hand it to Logan. Yes, and I finally, I got an answer to, I was racking my brains over the telephone. It was about vaccinations. Oh, okay, the vaccination I knew it had had something to do with COVID. So thank you for (laughs) who texted in because that was doing my head in. All right, Wade, the topics to choose from today are Super Bowl 57, golf, and this year's Halberg Awards. Uh, Well, I'm definitely not playing golf, am I? Let's go... This year's Hellbooks. Alright, good luck. I think uh, there's an air of confidence there in uh, Mark Stafford now after that category was picked. No, I don't know about that. I did watch them though. I didn't see them. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. A man who likes a challenge. Alright, first question for you, Wade. What event did Zoe Sadowski Senate win New Zealand's first Winter Olympics gold medal lead that led her to win the Halberg Supreme and Sports Women of the Year awards? Oh god. Um, the downhill freestyle. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. There's definitely a lot of style involved. In uh, snow sports, Steph? I think it's called slope style. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, you got one. What was that? On about the semi delivery. Yeah, you got a stump. All right, good on you, mate. Next at the crease, we're going to your favorite part of the world again to the Manawatu, and it's Carrie. Come in, mate. Hey, mate. How are you? Hey, boy, got your bucket hat on? No, I haven't today. Oh, well, I'm a chance (laughs) then. I'm a chance. (laughs) Today. (laughs) I love that. All right, second question for you, Kerry. Topic is the Halberg Awards. What event does Paralympian and winner of the Para-Athlete of the Year, Corey Peters, compete in? Oh, what is the Okay, swimming. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Staff, how closely were you paying attention last night? I just don't know what it's called. I know what he does. Is it? Is it? It's downhill. Do they call it sit skiing or something like that? Um, you know what? I'm actually gonna I'm gonna defer this to the third umpire, Brian. What do you think? We will accept the answer. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, the the f- correct term is para-alpine skiing. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll take it, mate. I watched him doing it. I just didn't 100% <laughs> sure. It was downhill sitting, and he was phenomenal. So, wow. 
You're two for two. You're on a hat-trick ball. Um, Smithy would be very proud of you. Uh, that does mean we go to the third person in line, Mike from Christchurch. Come in, mate. Hi, guys. Hello, Mike. Good luck. Good luck, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, told you there was an air of confidence. I know you like to you know, self-deprecate yourself. But, I've got uh, a funny feeling this is going to be really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. Uh, all right. Last question. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs for you, Mike. The question is, what award What award did inspirational Black Fern 7s and 15-star Sarah Hidney win at the Halbergs? The Leadership Award? Yes, Just a couple boy. of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. And another title goes to Christchurch. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't get that, Mike, that was all over. <laughs> Stabby had that in a bag. Lucky I was listening to, listening to her before when Stabby was talking to her. Isn't she inspirational? Yeah, she's great, isn't she? She's just wonderful. I can't wait to see what her future pans out to. I don't want her to give up rugby. I just think she's got an amazing future in, in society in New Zealand. She's such a good contributor. Yeah. Good man. $50 TAB bonus bet. Um, I guess Brian will get your details, so we'll chuck you back on hold so you can do that. I thought one of the questions was going to be about the emerging talent and because his, his name's so hard to say. It's Gustav... Levinaski or um, Legnavoski or something like that, Gustav. Um, but he is—he is a talent. He's the up and go, another snow sporter, another snow sporter. So I thought that was going to be it, but um, we escaped that one. So well done, Mike. Um, Fifty dollar TB bonus bet. Wonder, wonder how he's going to spend that. I really don't know, but we will—we'll keep a track. We'll keep a track. Um. Let's have a break. We go back to the sports desk. There's so much news around at the moment. And Logan and Brian do such a wonderful job of getting audio to support these sports news. We'll find out what they've dug up for us after the break. And service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Up to the sports there, Swinks. There's almost nothing I love more than watching you sweat when you've got about 15, 20 seconds to get in the chair. <laughs> and, he, and he both his own and goes, Steph, we're on. <laughs> oh, I was just talking to McIver about what he's got coming up on the show, which we'll bring him in in about 10 minutes to, to tell you that. But. No doubt, a big show with the big show. Yes. Uh, you know I love my basketball, so I got a couple. I do. Uh, yeah, I got a couple uh, basketball uh, stories for you here. A little bit of news. First off, clo- uh, staying close to home with the Sal's NBL current champions, and I just have to play the audio one more time. The celebrations are about to start. Ball in play. Iuli with the shot. There it is. There it is. Look at the Otago Nuggets. They storm onto the floor. They are your 2022 Sells NBL champions. Congratulations to the Otago Nuggets. They're singing, they're dancing, they're hugging, they're high-fiving, and they are all getting around Keith Williams. Oh, what a night that was. And they're starting the title defence off the best way possible by announcing the re-signing of the captain, Sam Timmons. Yes, boy. 
Very, very excited about that. He posted uh, 17.1 points per game, 11.3 rebounds, 1.4 blocks in 14 games with the Nuggets last season. Huge, huge man to have there. Uh, in the team. So really excited about that. Also in basketball, did you know Michael Jordan is about to turn 60? Shut the gate. Yeah, I actually had to check. I was like, there's no way Michael Jordan is 60. But no, he is turning 60 on Saturday. Wow. Uh, The six-time NBA champ will be celebrating that by making a $16 million donation to make a wish. It's the largest donation ever received from an individual in the organization's 43 year history. He hopes that his decision to celebrate his birthday by making the donation will inspire others to help fulfill the wishes of the kids still waiting for their wishes to come true. In a news release, Jordan said, for the past 34 years, it's been an honor to partner with Make-A-Wish and help bring a smile and happiness to so many kids. Witnessing their strength and resilience during such a tough time in their lives has truly been an inspiration. Of course, MJ, now the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, first supported Make-A-Wish back in 1989 and has granted hundreds of wishes to children all over the world and remains one of the most requested celebrity wish granters to date. Wow, I love that. I love the, all those Make-A-Wish. I love people that can help people when they do, mm. if they do. Um, I've got a story for you on that. Yeah. Very good friend of mine from school, <clears throat> excuse me, lives in the UK, works for a very, very big company and he's too us. He's, he's worth a lot of money. He got a letter from British Airways to say he was the most frequent flyer for a particular calendar year Mm. on the whole airline. And so they said guaranteed upgrade to first class from economy class for the next year. Um, He accumulates a gazillion air points. He donated his air points to make a wish. Wow. And a family of mum, dad, two kids, one of the kids terminal, uh, about six years old was terminal and wanted to go to Disneyland. With his air points, they went to Disneyland. And then they got in touch with Make-A-Wish and said, can we meet the guy that gave us the airpoints? So they got in touch with my mate Dave. Long story short, he went to their house and met them, just a very basic council flat, this gorgeous little boy who was six years old, and he just met them. And then the little boy just said, wait there a minute, went upstairs, came back, and he had this scraggly little teddy bear thing. And he said to my mate Dave, he said, this is my favourite toy. Um, I'm not going to be here much longer, and I want you to have it. And he gave my mate his favourite toy for what he'd done for his family. And now my mate takes that scraggly little teddy bear everywhere he goes in his suitcase. Wow. How cool's that? Good on you, Dave. How good's that? Yeah. What a good bloke. Uh, one more thing. Speaking of uh, people making money and getting paid, do you follow the uh, Aussie rules much, AFL? I used to. Yeah. And I was a... Uh, for two seasons, I was a paid-up supporter of the Fremantle Dockers, which I've told the story before. Never went to a game. Actually, I have been to a Dockers game, but not while I was a member. <laughs> okay. Well, turns out AFL players are getting paid. Paid? Oh, they're getting paid. Uh, the player salaries took a huge hit during uh, the covid ravaged 2020 season but have since bounced back in the last two years. Uh, I've done the math. I've converted everything from Australian dollars to New Zealand dollars. Oh, buckle yourself in. Here God, comes. sad. Uh, total player payments rose from $257 million in 2021 to a new record of 283 last year with the average salary raising above 409k. Average? Oh, 439k for the first time. Average salary. Wow. Yeah. 
So they're big, they're big dogs must be one and a half mil. So only 10 players earned less than 100k last year. Only 10. Well, at the top end there, you had three players paid at least 1.3 million, and there were 12 others above that 1 million mark, up five from the previous year. Individual player salaries aren't released. However, Sydney legend Buddy Franklin, uh, absolute scenes that was last year when he kicked his uh, Mm. 1,000th goal, and Brownlow medal winners Dustin Martin and Nate Fife are believed to be among those earning the seven-figure sums last year. It is just huge money. And when a total of 51 players were paid at least 879K last year. Jeepers. (laughs) <laughs> well, 193 of the competition, 659 players received at least 549k. You must think the AFL are doing something right. It's amazing when you think, on the global scale, Australia's not a huge country. It's big compared to us. Mm. Aussie Rules is only played in Australia, so they can't pull on international markets for broadcasting and all that sort of stuff. But the money involved in that game in Australia, they they do a whole lot of things right. A whole lot of things. Yeah, it's unreal. Wow. Good stuff, Logs. Good stuff. Uh, We'll take a break. Uh, The big show, he's sitting out on the Ottoman outside the studio going through his phone. Got a swipe card wrapped around his neck. We'll drag him in. I'll go and pull that and drag him kicking and screaming into the studio and we'll find out what the big show has up on my show after uh, 12 till 3 because Phoenix Nation's on from 3 so McIver will drag him in and see what he's got for you for the next 3 hours